Your company's legal landscape is evolving and your contracts are constantly changing. From expiring agreements to new vendors, you need technology that can keep up. Meet Exigent's contract management solution. It's a powerful, adaptable platform for both buy and sell side contracts that can transform the way you work. Because with better data, you can make better decisions. With the solution, you can create a central repository for contracts and other documents, providing visibility into what's happening within contracts across the entire organization. With in-depth insights across industry verticals, you can make better decisions, gain efficiencies, reduce costs, and better manage risk. AI-powered technology auto-extracts data in such a way that users can combine, compare, and visualize legal and financial data to make decisions from information locked within contracts and documents. Easy-to-navigate dashboards provide quick summaries and key milestones that are customizable. Enhanced search functionality within the platform enables users to perform contextual and cognitive searches across full portfolios, with results in seconds. Contract breakdowns can be viewed by country, contract type, or responsible party to quickly slice and dice the data to get the information you need. You can also drill into attributes like expiration date, counterparty, clauses, provisions, and also features a family view, which shows additional documents that are associated with a specific contract and the employees that accessed it. Gaining a greater perspective into your contracts and documents allows your team to bring increased value to your business. Your legal landscape is always changing. So take control of it now and check out contract Hi, and a very warm welcome. We would like to welcome you to the Exogen and Manakora webinar, where we will be discussing tools that in-house legal teams can use to become more effective. We have an esteemed panel that will be joining us. Apologies, we may just be having a few technical difficulties with one of our panelists from Manikori Attorneys. So she may join us anytime during the webinar. A very warm welcome to Nwabile, Rico, and Levo, who Nwabile will introduce very shortly. But before I do start, I really want to take just a moment to really acknowledge against the backdrop of what is happening in the world today, that we must just take a moment to reflect and a moment of silence for the inhumane um, treatment of humans across the world. I know South Africa and the Sub-Saharan African has been subjected to this for a very long time. We think of our colleagues in the USA and for um, the treatment of equality of all human rights, I really would just like to take a moment for all of us to consider and to just have some thoughts for everyone that is not receiving equal treatment. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Mwabile, I see you have, you're up back and you've joined us. A very warm welcome. So very firstly, our panelists will focus on two 
main questions. How can technology enhance in, in us legal team to really find opportunities or how they can mitigate their risk? And the second question that we'll be focusing on is how they can enhance their legal team. We have a very diverse panel from in-house legal team to a law firm, as well as representatives from an alternative legal services provider. And Mobile also brings us her added benefit of having the experience of a company secretary. But before I hand over to her to chair the meeting for us today, I'd like to introduce you and tell you all who Exigen is. Exigent is an alternative legal services and a technology services provider. We are very passionate about transforming the legal services industry through innovative solutions. We have that through our own proprietary technology, as well as um, utilizing technology of external services provider. We have a multi-skilled team that focuses on really finding business solutions for our clients and not only focusing on some of the legal solutions. We are joined today by Manakori Attorneys. They are a dynamic law firm that is based in Zimbabwe. Their core focus is financial and commercial transactions. They are a firm they are firmly focused on providing solutions to their clients in the, in the Zimbabwean area, focusing on mergers and acquisitions, but they utilize their local expertise and collaborating with international partners and international partners in which they can provide innovative solutions to their clients. They've got a strong regional alliance and as well as an international footprint. I'm hoping Farai would be able to join us very shortly. But without further ado, I will hand over to Nwabile, who will be introducing you to the rest of our panel today. I hope you enjoyed the webinar. Please do send us any questions you may have. We will try and answer it through the webinar. Alternatively, we will come back to you afterwards with some of the answers. Thank you. Over to you. Um, thank you very much, Naomi. Um, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Uh, my name is Ngobile Munzara, and I will be your chair for the webinar. Um, as Naomi has said, uh, we've got a very diverse panel today, um, starting off with uh, Rico Burnett. Um, he is the Global Director at Exigent for Client Innovation. Um, then we also have uh, Lebo um, Bumulwana. She is the Head of Legal Risk and Compliance at Hulusani Limited in South Africa. Uh, we are still waiting on Farai, who may uh, join us as we um, proceed with our webinar. She's a partner um, at Manokore Attorneys in Harare. So already, as you can see, we've embraced um, the online uh, way of, of doing things uh, due to the lockdown. Uh, Lebo is uh, in South Africa. Naomi is also in South Africa. Enrico is actually in the US. I am here in Harare, and I'm sure a lot of you who've joined us today are in various uh, locations across the globe. Um, so today, as Naomi has said, um, our, our um, panel is going to talk ab about um, tools that um, in-house legal teams can use. Um, so maybe Rico, if you can kick us off with just a one to two minute um, introduction about yourself, your work, and then uh, we'll dive deep um, after introductions. Thank you. Nobile, thank you so much for that introduction. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. 
Uh, Rico Burnett, um, uh, member of Exigent. Uh, I am the auspiciously named Director of Innovation, and before that, I headed up our legal team. I practiced law for eight years, telecommunications, uh, media, telecoms, and intellectual property, before trying to actually practice, you know, the field of technology and get engaged in that and not just you know, draft about it. So I migrated, uh, you know, and transformed or reformed into uh, exigent and innovation and legal technology about five years ago. And my focus on today in what I do is to consult with clients on implementing technology or consulting on their own technology to see how um, that can fit their, their corporate strategy and ultimately make them, them excel both as legal practitioners and as business people. Yeah, I have three kids and I'm enjoying lockdown very much. Uh, as a result of that. Okay, um, thank you very much, Rico. Just out of curiosity, what time is it um, where you are? I, I was actually lucky, so just to apologize for the correction, I managed to uh, slip out of the States just before they decided to close every airport. Um, so I'm presently okay. in, in Cape Town, so it's, it's great timing. Okay, that's fine. All right, thank you very much. Um, so over to you, Lebo, just um, a quick introduction, and uh, we'll dive deep into it um, after your introduction. Sure, thank you, Nobile. Um, my name is Lebo. Um, I've been a lawyer for 12 years, uh, eight of which were in-house as an attorney, and the last four I have been at Holisani, which is a listed investment holding company in renewable energy. Um, my areas of specialization is mergers and acquisitions, specifically in mining and um, now renewable energy. I'm also a mom of two, two young girls aged five and three. Okay, um, thank you very much. Um, so back to you, Rico. So, um, you know, with um, the lockdown, what it has really brought to the fore is the importance of um, the use of technology and um, maybe you can um, help us to you know unpack um, the reason why you think GCs um, need um, to embrace technology um, because there's always that fear that if we have if we introduce too much technology in the office you know suddenly I'll wake up and there'll be no job for me left so why do you think GCs um, and here we're saying general councils why do they need to embrace technology Mobile, thank you for for that question. And it's you know uh, my observation, especially in this in this time of crisis, right, is is twofold. The first is because it's it's almost inevitable, right? That's the kind of doomsday profit concept of technology. But ultimately, because it has, if you dig through it deep enough, immense power to improve efficiency and to bring about gains. And the reason why I say that is if, if you just look at the sheer volume of data that a general counsel is expected to connect with today, it is it is incredible. Um, they, they are no longer just regarded as a legal advisor. They are required to be a connected part of the, of the broader business. And we can see today that real-time collaboration is so pertinent under this time of lockdown and crisis that that will not um, that will not change. We will see increased requirements to collaborate, not just internally as a GC with their internal teams, but with their stakeholders in the business. And we we have to think about the challenge of automation, uh, not confuse that with the ability of technology to transform. And I, I believe that if from, from our experience in working with clients in, in technology and technology consulting, it 
the GC's role is, is, is migrating into one where they need to actively manage and proactively manage risk. Whatever the risk might be, risk is not this you know, vague concept anymore. The GC's role is becoming one where they are expected to be proactive. Risk cannot simply be mitigated or argued away anymore. And with the tools to monitor risk and to engage with your stakeholders, um, we, we can do that. Um, and, and that's why I say it, it increases efficiency. I think the risk, the risk is there, and that may, may be a part of our, our, our follow-up question. But you know, I think if we manage technology properly, it will significantly enhance the role of the GC, while yes, fundamentally altering certain parts of, of what GCs do and how they structure their teams, much like it will um, law firms of the future. Um, but it is, it is understanding the opportunity which will help us mitigate against the risk and the threat. Okay, thanks, Rico. Um, I like how you, you mentioned that um, GCs have to manage risk and it's not something that, you know, um, uh, we can argue away as, as GCs or um, push it on to another department. And uh, fortunately here, Lebo is uh, one of her uh, responsibilities is uh, risk. Um, so she's, she's um, in charge of uh, legal risk and compliance. And maybe coming to you, Lebo, based on what uh, Rico has just said, um, when you move from private practice into an in-house role, what was the notable change um, that you observed? And um, how did you go on the journey of then looking for a suitable technology solution? Sure, so I think that, I mean, the biggest change has to be the infrastructure and um, human resource support. So if you work in a law firm, um, you've got IT systems that are specifically designed to make your life a lot easier. You know, documents automatically get saved into particular folders. Um, you, have an, you have entire teams whose job it is to manage knowledge. So at the law firm, I was at the core of the knowledge management team. So if you're looking for something, if you, for whatever reason, weren't able to find it on the system, then there was a whole host of people who had already organized it and who were always available to come and assist you. So when I moved from, um, from private practice now into a small investment holding company, I came as the only lawyer, which meant that there was no support. Um, whereas at a law firm, all of the systems are designed to make the job of the lawyer easier. When you enter business as a lawyer, your job is really there to support. So the infrastructure isn't there designed specifically for your specific needs alone. So I found that that was quite a huge challenge um, because despite the fact that I didn't have as much of the support that um, I used to have, I certainly was expected to be able to provide advice at the same level of speed and efficiency that would have been expected of someone at a law firm. So I think, I think uh, Rico mentioned it actually. Um, when you are in-house, the expectation is that you are ahead of the, the issues. Um, you can't really, you know, when you're sitting in a law firm, someone presents an issue to you once it's already happened, but your job as an in-house lawyer, a lot of the time is around risk mitigation. Um, and it becomes incredibly difficult to do your job very well if A, you don't really have proper control over all of your documentation, if it's not organized properly, if it's not accessible to you. And more importantly, if you don't have the time to sit and go through all of the stuff, then you miss critical things. So all of these things, and I think that Rico really did hit the, the nail on the head, um, are part of the reasons why it was important for, for our organization and for myself specifically 
to, to look to technology for assistance so that there's less focus on admin, um, you know, spending an hour looking for documents and more focus on really providing um, substantive advice where you're able to really provide value to the business. So, yeah, I think that that's definitely one of the, the, key, the key advantages of this type of technology. Um, thanks, thanks, Lebo. You said a lot of things that are very familiar um, to a lot of GCs. You know, when you start house, um, start out as in-house counsel, you're literally a one-man law firm, and um, it's it's tough just adjusting. I remember when I also left private practice, the same experience I went to went through is is exactly the same as yours. It was just myself, and yet I was running a department, and definitely the challenges of of um, you know, giving legal opinions on time and also finding documents is, is a huge challenge. You know, so um, back to you, Rico, maybe um, if you can expand a bit more in terms of um, the journey at Exigent, um, you know, you said uh, you were running the, the legal solutions department. How did you um, try and then address all of these issues? What were the things that you took into consideration to say, these are the challenges faced by GCs. How can I address them and, and assist them in providing these solutions? Yeah, thanks, Nobila. A great question. And I just want to echo what Lebo was saying. I, I spent some time in house, you know, secondments and, and the like in practice. And that really is one of those key frustrations is, in a sense, many GCs have to duplicate the effort that is, it is performed by other GCs in different companies continuously. You know, because it's really hard to sustain a a, um, a, a fundamental knowledge base and a, and a knowledge transfer base if if you are pretty much the the last one to be invited to the table. We in our consulting practice, I spend a lot of time with clients. It's quite often that the GC is not necessarily um, part of those strategic decisions, right? Because a GC is supposed to read the contracts. Um, that they get or, or don't see from procurement or the sourcing teams or the you know or the business development functions. And one of the key things that that we realized soon is that GCs hold an incredible amount of of knowledge around the business. You know, especially if there's a great continu continuation of 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 the department. If a GC's been around for a while, or if they've got good knowledge transfer uh, policies in place. Um, which is sometimes lacking in, in, in even smaller organizations where the GC might be the only legally trained person in that division. There's no carve out of a risk and a compliance team. There's no tax advisory business. There's no, you know, uh, any of these safeguards or, or these functions of, of much larger corporates don't necessarily exist. So in, in, in our uh, working and, you know, we, we started as a legal services practice, right? So we delivered um, and still do. Uh, you know, um, outsourced legal support. But through that, you realize that the GC's role is quite different because they have to maintain this this um, annuity understanding of the business. It's not transactional. It's not like, you know, level, it's not like one MA transaction and then that's filed away and done. You have to remember what happened in, in every MA transaction before and you're expected to understand that. So we realize that the GC's role is, is, is quite uh, complex in that they are required to host all of this knowledge yet they don't have some of the really sophisticated tools that other part departments have you think about the financial team you think about pascal or quickbooks or sap 
or Salesforce or the CRM systems that many organizations have and, and can leverage. Uh, those are fundamentally uh, uh, fundamentally exist you know, long before before um, a GC is able to put their, their technology budget together. So we realized then that you need to take the GC's role, understand where the GC um, can leverage off of the information that sits and is held within other parts of the business for them to be able to sustain that, that being that continuous source of knowledge. Um, and that's 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 a process that's ongoing and it's a tough one to solve. And I guess that's why we are here today. Um, no, thanks, Rupo. So I think just looking at the amount of paperwork in any average GC's office, you know, what you're saying is, is absolutely, um, you know, uh, relevant in terms of, you know, tr just trying to piece all that information together, the expectations of the capacity of your own memory in terms of, um, you know, just recalling transactions, recalling clauses in 100-page contracts that were signed like, you know, three, four years ago. So. Um, definitely it's a challenge and technology is there to to assist so uh, maybe we can try and um, uh, to the secretariat to open up a poll uh, we have some few questions um, if you are able to open up a poll uh, for the audience to interact uh, with us um, and also in the audience please feel free to send questions and uh, you can specify who you want um, to answer the question from the panelists um, we're still waiting for our third panelist. Um, please feel free to answer questions, I mean, sorry, to type your questions in the question box and those will be responded to. Um, so our poll is open. Uh, please may you read through it and then um, you can select the answer that applies. Okay, um, so uh, maybe looking at our poll results, uh, Naomi, are you able to share those with us? So 67% say um, financial impact is the highest priority and 33% um, are split between technology and we also have another 33% risk mitigation. Um, and third party, third party and supplier, uh, mitigating risks with those third parties and suppliers. Um, thank you very much uh, for those results. Um, so maybe coming back to you, Lebo, when you then um, made the decision to invest in technology, um, you know, what, what can you share with, uh, um, some, I mean, some GCs who are on the call to say what, um, you know, your experience has been so far, and how you found the technology to enhance or what expectations you have that it will enhance the work that you're doing in your office and just improving. So, you know, if you can break it down for us a bit more, uh, you know, from a practical side. Um, sorry, Lebo, your mic seems to be on mute. No. Could you hear her? No. Um, Secretariat, if you are able to assist, uh, Lebo's mic is not on mute, but we cannot hear her. Yeah. 
Okay, there we go. Thank you. Now. Okay, perfect. So what I was saying is that for any GC, a large part of our job um, involves stuff that I, I put in the admin category. So it's ensuring that you, you know, for various agreements, particularly your typical business agreements, that you have your escalation clause, you know when that's going to happen, you know when agreements need to be terminated, you know when they need to be renewed. Um, so those are for me the basics, but if you don't get those types of basics right, then a large part of your job is really left begging and pleading with people, um, trying to negotiate your way out of things. So what I, so that was very important to me that the system that does um, that I that I do work with is able to organize that sort of information for me so that I don't have to spend hours um, you know populating an Excel spreadsheet, putting events in my calendar to remind me that it does so automatically um, and that I'm that I receive notifications. Another thing, because for me um, I'm effectively a one-man show. Um, efficiency was a big deal. So it mattered to me how, to what extent the onboarding process would require my active participation, whether I'm the one who's required to summarize all the documents and provide them to the system, or whether the team that's, that's or whether the, the entity that's doing so is able to do it for me. And that for me was um, a big draw card, having a team that has legal experts um, doing the work for me. So they're able to understand the really basic contracts, but also some of the more complex ones without necessarily, you know, adding it to my to-do list to extend an agreement to them. So I think the expertise of the people behind the system was really important to me. Um, the other thing that was really important to me was the ability to generate reports. So it's great that you have your information summarized on um, the central uh, repository, but now when I need the information, I need to be able to do it really quickly. I don't want to now spend hours yet again manually collecting information. So the ability of the system to really put stuff into an Excel for me, um, and it allows me to then customize it um, for my organization in a manner that matters really, um, that matters to them, was quite important. And I think that the other aspect which I found to be quite helpful was the ability to be able to customize um, the way, the types of information that's relevant to your organization. So I'm able to say, look, in my business, we are concerned about only escalations on or, or um, expiry of renewal dates, or because we look at certain PrEP agreements, I'm interested in reminders about um, when payments are due that you do have the capability and the capacity to customize the information in a way that makes sense and in fact is more efficient for you. So for me, I have to say that that's, those are some of the, the key benefits of, of this type of system. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is to have experts on the other side that actually understand those contracts. Um, so, Levo, you're not a one-man band anymore, are you? <laughs> Thankfully, yes. Strictly speaking, you've got this team of lawyers that's sitting in the back somewhere and they're doing their part to make you look amazing and they're helping you and, and you know, so, <laughs> yeah. But I just like to tell people that at work. I still like them to believe that I'm doing all this amazing work on my own. 
<laughs> okay, no, that's fine. Um, thanks. So uh, maybe just to tie on to what you've said, um, Rico, if um, you know we look at the volumes of um, documentation and paperwork involved in any average GC's office, um, how does um, you know how does how do the services at, at Exigent just sort of put all of that information together to generate the reports? Uh, that Lebo is talking about, you know, so that those reports are used. You mentioned earlier that um, as a GC, as an in-house counsel, you are a business partner. And it's not only about giving legal advice, but also managing risk and also giving relevant advice to the business and sort of anticipating uh, what, what could come. So how, does the, how do the systems assist? Here I am with my 50 contracts, or if I'm an in-house uh, counsel in a, in a in a financial institution or even in a, um, in a real estate um, institution, we have so many um, lease agreements with uh, various um, clients. How, how do those contracts then get um, you know, put into the system and how do I then generate the information or the reports that I need uh, from them? Thanks. Yeah, Mobile, great, you know, a, a great question. And you know, we joke, you know, Lebo about about assembling teams around you, but ultimately, that is 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 always for almost any GC just barely enough to manage their expected workflow, right? Their expected data challenge, not even the the unexpected, right? We, we we've looked at what what is happening post COVID with the with the economic situation, um, and that, hence I think the poll is pretty accurate. I think if we ask the same question. Uh, this time last year, you know, probably technology and compliance would have would have been much higher, but financial financial risk. And our observation has been that quite frequently, when a GC steps into the role or moves into the role, some of those misconceptions need to be dispelled. And and we've seen this across businesses of varying sophistication levels. The notion that all of my agreements follow the same template style. All of my agreements are on my paper and not on the other side's paper. All of my agreements have been drafted with very much the same um, vigor, you know, because quite often we're expected as a legal function to review and comment. We aren't there at the cold face when the discussion is had, or more specifically when the renewal happens in, in a year's time or three years' time. That's just it's broadly the same terms, we'll go ahead. So what we've really focused on and, and how we've developed systems and, and often advise clients on better using their own systems, because we shouldn't forget that we, we should look at leveraging the technology and the tools that exist inside the business already. But Lebo mentioned Excel, for example, right? Um, Excel is, is one of those things where, um, you know, it, almost everything is, is possible if you have the buy-in and the, and, and the willingness to, to utilize it. Sadly, there's not much Excel training happening when I was studying law, and I doubt whether it's being taught at that level uh, today. So to build a to build a system, we need to first ask if three basic questions: Where's the information housed, and do I in fact have visibility and understanding over that? Because if if I if 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 legal is the custodian of of contracts, great. If they actually get those signed agreements from the other functions in the first place, so there's a there's a big challenge in that. So. It's, it's the first step is to enable other parts of the business to get the information to you because you can appoint somebody to phone them every week. We've, we've seen that happen to chase them for documentation. And this is not even just, the, you know, imagine the rush of a diligence. Yes, then it's, it's, it's all anxiety and people are compelled to work with you. But on the, in the normal course of, of business, 
the first step is to set up an easy way for them to really drag and drop documentation. If they're working on a OneDrive or or Box, you know that that's easy, but you have to really go to them and hold their hands and explain to them why it's important. Once it's in there, you know there are two ways to do that. Um, we obviously do a lot of manual review. We provide our outsource resourcing. We know for for clients in South Africa and, and all over the world to do that. Um, but the more efficient way is if you want to ask pertinent specific questions, you know, for example, pre-diligence or you know, compliance with a particular provision of, of an act or understanding force majeure specifically. We know we, we, we're talking about COVID-19 response here. Force majeure has become a very hot topic in, in data analysis at the moment. There are tools out there that you can utilize to go and identify specific things. You know, the, the search video at the start is, is an illustration of, of our product called Scarlet, which is, which is focused on finding a particular clause or a term in an agreement, you know, through, through uh, technology. Um, but really, that's only possible if you've, if you've built that, you know, the, the, the phrase data lake is being thrown around quite a lot. But effectively, a data lake is the active container for all of the information that is relevant. They might be signed agreements, they might not. So establishing that is, is a case of activating a portal for your stakeholders to drop documentation into, assessing your own capability, capacity actually, to, to assess particular parts of that agreement or deploying technology to do that, because once you've done that properly and you extract that information, and there are, we will get to some of those tools towards the end, you can create those predictive models and predictive visualizations that will allow you to, to, to positively manage risk. Um, and the, the final point and the key then is, the lake becomes stagnant if you are not continuously refreshing it. You know, the GC really is, is saddled with that burden to, to say to the business, if you are signing major agreements or if you anticipate major changes, Right, maybe somebody's flagging an inability to pay and they might be one of your massive um, tenants or a landlord and that impacts on your real estate portfolio. Feed that information to us proactively. So it, it has to set up those channels where they can simply drag and drop. If you don't do that, unfortunately, there's, there's a limited amount of participation by, by your stakeholders. And it's again, up to the legal team to go and do all of the running, all of the fetching and all of the management at the end of the day. But there's hope. Thank you. Um, thanks, Rico. So um, definitely, I mean, templates um, and especially using internal templates when you enter into a contract is always the preferred you know, way of, of operating because you understand the clauses in your standard contracts. It's easier for you as in-house counsel to defend those clauses should anything come up. But as you say, that um, everyone has their own different templates. So um, there's, there's need for that shift. And um, the, the issue of also locating all of the contracts is, is quite a big issue, especially where you know, you've had relationships either with suppliers or with um, service providers for over a decade. Sometimes it's really hard to actually find those contracts. You know? So um, it's, it's, it's good to know that you know, once um, all of those agreements eventually when they are located can be put in one place and as GC, you can then uh, use other skills to sort of extract other information I know, for, as, as you've said for sure, that, you know, the force mayor um, clauses, you know, definitely became pertinent during the lockdown because people were not able to deliver. How do you then um, implement um, or when does that um, clause um, kick in? You know, so we had a, a, a huge debate about that amongst ourselves as in-house lawyers here in Harare and, and I'm sorry, in Zimbabwe, but yeah, it's, it's an evolving situation. Um, so maybe before we come back to you, Rico, on your presentation, uh, Lebo, do you have, um, you know, maybe some parting shots uh, for, you know, 
for GCs in terms of, um, so what has the benefit been, you know, what recommendations and um, just, you know, some really, um, you know, words of encouragement in terms of why as lawyers we should see technology as assisting us and not taking away our work. Thank you. I think that um, if you have the benefit of technology, then I think that as a GC, you really get to a position where you're adding value to a business. So what I mean by that is what the Exogen system offers you, um, as Rico and you have alluded to, is really a, a team of lawyers as well as a central um, repository all of the business's information. And I think that once you have all of the key data about your organization in one place, um, you have it organized in a way that tells you a story about your organization, then your role as a GC, um, in addition to risk mitigation, can also help the business to understand itself a little bit better, to understand, um, you know, key, key problems with the way in which we're negotiating contracts. Um, you're able to track some of the trends that aren't uh, necessarily good for your business or trends that are in fact really positive for your business. So I think that for some GCs where your job maybe, you know, is maybe regarded um, as a back office function, I think that with the help of technology, we, we, we can play a more strategic role in not just um, dealing with things that have happened, but beginning to inform how things perhaps should happen in future. And I think that you can really only get to that position where you're able to add that level of value once you understand your own organization, once you have a firm grip on what's binding on your organization, how it affects your organization. So I think that we need to look at technology as something that really frees us up to start thinking more strategically um, and to align um, our insights and talents and um, ability to retain information and collect information and lend that more to the business so that um, they use that information for better decision making. Um, yeah, so I, I can also identify with, uh, you know, the legal team being seen as a cost center. And I think a lot of our colleagues here would absolutely agree because they um you know we're not frontline business you know so um i think what you've what you've said really just helps to to make that um the contribution of a legal team uh, more anticipatory of uh, you know what's coming um what kind of uh, risks the business should anticipate and and that sort of thing so um thanks for that um i think that really you know that really helps um, so before we go into a presentation uh, by Rico, uh, maybe we can run another poll. Um, uh, Secretariat, if you're able to assist us uh, to just bring up our second question on the poll. And ladies and gentlemen, please remember to type out your questions in the question box and then we'll direct them to the panelists. Um, here is the poll question. Okay, um, thank you. Maybe we can see the results. 
So top three tools to enhance your team's effectiveness, definitely document um, automation um, is, a, is a high one, e-discovery, contract management, uh, then AI and spend and meta management coming up um, at the bottom there. Um, thank you for that, um, Paul. Um, so we can maybe move on to Rico and then you can take us through your presentation and um, share with us um, what you shared uh, recently uh, to the University of Cape Town. Thank you, Mubile. And um, while, while the, uh, the moderator just uh, puts, uh, gives me the presenter rights, I think it's fascinating and resonates with, um, with what we're about to look at, actually. It's, it's an interesting poll. Um, so we want to do a really quick session on, 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 on some tips and tricks about what we are seeing you know, um, about uh, you know, this trend and the tools that are going to allow in-house legal teams to function more efficiently. Now, this does not assume that your in-house legal team is, is inefficient, um, but it's just a pointer to, you know, to mention. And, and quite interestingly, in-house legal teams face the same technological challenges globally. You know, in a recent poll by the American Bar Association, just pre-COVID, pre um, in, in around about um, August of last year, of the recipients, several thousand members of the bar, um, more than 52% of them confirmed that they still only use a physical desktop machine to perform their legal services. So you can imagine if 52% of, of the US legal market needed to shift to a laptop to get to work from home. You know, um, it, it is a universal challenge and something that we think is, is um, equally applicable all over the world, which is why the tools can be deployed uh, equally, doesn't matter your jurisdiction or your field of expertise. So we're gonna to touch on a few quick uh, tools here today. And you know, Lebo brilliantly called out the fact that you need the human aspect and the human intervention to make many of this work. And that's one of the, the real risks. And, you know, a quick, a quick start, and this really speaks about where we were at pre-COVID, right? There were three main problems that we were looking at legal technology to solve, you know, and that the industry was looking at. The first one is task switching or product hopping. 40% of inefficiency in a, in a GC's world is derived from the need to jump between different apps and platforms and tools. You receive an email with a draft of an agreement. You have to download that agreement, open Word, edit the document, add your red line, save a new version, reattach to an email, send the email, get the changes, resave the document, hope you didn't overwrite the first version, save it in a new location. You know, switching between our normal day-to-day -day tasks is extremely inefficient. Secondly, from a GC's perspective, the intake and allocation of tasks or projects, as well as get, gathering feedback and process improvement um, is, is a, a challenge that many of them have identified. And then finally, the great big problem of data protection remains a challenge and even more so today. So we'll touch on, on, on a few um, of those and then broken down into two sections. The first is legal technology in a time of crisis. So to be clear, you know, I'm, I'm not a salesman for any of these products. This is really a, a journey to guide you through some of the things you can think about. And as Nobile said at the start, you know, any follow-up questions or comments, we would all be happy to, to engage with you on those. But the three key challenges that has been identified in our time of crisis, COVID and economic disruption, and specifically the working from home uh, scenario is portability and mobility, sharing and security, and automation and predictive analytics. These are the three main buckets that the GC of today should be thinking about 
um, when they emerge from our current uh, challenge. So the first really is document management. You know, Lebo referred to, you know, and Hulasani have, have implemented some pretty sophisticated and some, some, some really great tools. Um, if you're looking at the start of your journey, you must look no further than, than what has been built by the likes of Microsoft in Office 365 and Google Docs. So they have built very secure, very robust document management systems that give you full portability, which means you can migrate from your smartphone to your tablet, to your desktop PC, to your laptop, to your, you know, your friend's laptop if you had to, if you utilize one of these two platforms. So they are both cloud-based, which enables uh, seamless document sharing. And the key benefit of these two platforms is they allow version control. So, you know, we can talk all day about version control and the risks of, of task hopping and about using, using the non-cloud version. But ultimately, those are the two critical factors if you wanted to have complete document management in a secure environment. Something which has changed drastically for many of us recently has been communication, right? The tools and the tricks that you are using to communicate effectively with your teams and your stakeholders. Now, you might recognize in the far right of that communication block, uh, the Zoom logo. We all know that Zoom has expanded in its reach and its capabilities. We can see Slack, which has been a collaboration tool are widely used. Uh, two others that I think is worth, especially those of us working in this environment, either in Microsoft or in Google, to be aware of is the rise of Microsoft Teams. Nearly 80 million people use that tool today for, for online collaboration, for conference calling, and specifically for document management. Uh, Teams is, is a Microsoft product. But some of you might have noticed a really recent addition to um, Gmail, which is the ability to have free video conferencing straight from your Gmail email address. So they've, uh, technology has now broken open the ability for a GC to interact with people that aren't necessarily inside their Microsoft environment. They aren't necessarily able to utilize all of these tools, but it is almost certain that Gmail is a part of their or their clients' lives. While yes, security might not be as tight as the likes of Microsoft if you are online collaborating, consider the fact that video conferencing is now effectively free and secure for you and your teams, a useful consideration. But getting into one of the key challenges for specifically GCs in, um, in the new normal really is that sharing and security piece. SharePoint, uh, which is the first logo on there and Microsoft OneDrive now allow us to have central repositories of information that importantly comply with your IT infrastructure. But what we often forget is the next icon is multi-factor authentication. GCs and legal teams today inside small and large and sophisticated businesses are being targeted by unprecedented amounts of phishing scams, malware um, scams and hacking. Two-tier authentication, which is available in Microsoft and in Google, allows you to eliminate the challenge even if a hacker has your access to your information. We've seen high level sophisticated hacks of law firms recently. It is possible to prevent some of that by having this two-tier authentication enabled. And critically, something which, which I think many GCs are missing today, the little green guy is, is the logo for PIA, um, one of the VPN networks out there. What we see now is a big trend for uh, people, even in the legal team, to utilize workstations or laptops at home for both personal and professional activities. They might be checking the news or doing a quick conference call with the family on the same system that they access your, your central infrastructure. 
Virtual private networks obviously hide your IP identity and gives you a lot of anonymity online. This reduces drastically the risk you face with document leakage if you've got users that are working from home and users that are toggling between possibly, you know, outside of work applications and, and in-work applications. Quickly on something that is becoming very important, and that I think listed as, as the, the most uh, voted for in our poll is automation and predictive analytics. Two tools to think about and be aware of is UiPath and Microsoft Flow. They allow for the automation of fundamental processes. So for example, at Exigent, our leave application process, our claims reimbursement processes have all been automated using both of these tools. So to create a low code or a no code, that's the two words being used today, environment is becoming really easy utilizing these types of, of technologies. And probably the most important is the rise of predictive analytics. If you're a Microsoft user, Power BI might be familiar for you. We've, we built countless um, analysis products in Power BI and Tableau, which is a different product. But having the ability to take your master data, maybe from, from your contract management system, maybe from your SharePoint site, maybe from your local C drive and visualizing the information to do predictive modeling. If I lose 20% of revenue today, what will that mean for me in two years? Or give me the top five agreements I have where my limitation on liability clause is not sufficient to protect me or where my force majeure clause does not contain the word epidemic or pandemic. If you visualize that information, it is significantly uh, easier to present a report um, or a risk analysis to the board who respond to these visuals a lot more than they typically respond to what a lawyer would draft, you know, a lengthy email, an extended PowerPoint deck. So moving on from those three and just mindful of everybody's time, you know, and we'll make these, these available to you, of course, as well. Expanding the impact beyond the time of crisis, three key buckets have emerged. The first is the ability to deal with structured and unstructured data. So many tools in the diligence space, you might be familiar with the likes of Akira and Illuminance. Um, you know, Exigent, I've put us up there because we've been doing a lot of work and you can see from the first video we showed you that the, the, the ability to utilize search functionality is now becoming easier, which means you can search for clauses or, or uh, provisions inside the host of contracts um, at great speed. And that empowers the GC to do what they do best, which is commercial decision-making. Matter management, um, Clear and Raven, I manage have been on the market. These are products that allow you to um, create files, assign them, and manage them, and even search for content. You know, who did I allocate this piece of work to? When did I do it? And so on. Um, and in, and we, we're jumping through these at a little bit of speed, but I'm sure we can we can touch back again. Speed of delivery and document automation um, is going to be key. Hot Docs and Contract Express are some of the the main providers out there, as is open text, which allows you to, um, through the help with their developers, create a few interesting deliveries. But let me point you to a tool that is called Doc Assemble, which is freeware and available online with some Python coding skills. Um, we've, we've helped clients with Python. We have Python development in-house now to create basic document automation through tools like Doc Assemble or even inside Microsoft. So the GCF for today doesn't necessarily have to spend money to develop a document automation. And um, some tools exist today that makes it available to them with just a little bit of coding help. Knowledge management, of course, you might all be familiar with Lexis, Tutor and Practical Law. The ability to search precedents and to find precedents is becoming critical. As these precedents improve in sophistication, they will become even more important. But something you often miss, I've got a little guy down there, that is the SurveyMonkey logo. 
SurveyMonkey allows you to integrate seamless um, surveys and questions whenever you send and receive instructions. This way, when you deliver a piece of work uh, to the board or to your stakeholders, you can gather, gather feedback almost immediately and you're able to shape the way you engage with your stakeholders uh, in a lot more uh, detail without actually spending a lot more human capital. So just quickly on a slide that um, gives you some tips on where you should start. The first one is it's a business question, not just a legal question. Lebo called that out in, a, in, a, in a part of her presentation. Identify your challenge. That's the first step. Then if you want to engage in, in tech providers and, you know, Exigent provides that type of support. Your panelists here have engaged with that before. You know, the Manakori team are very familiar with that. But when you look at a potential solution to your problem, don't figure cost first. Consider the size of the organization, what support they can give you after you implement, that's critical, and what their level of security is. Cost does not matter if you've got poor security or lack of after implementation support. So once you've done that, that's pretty much where most uh, GCs are, you know, have to stop. But there are more steps. The third step is to establish your context. Who shares your problem internally? Procurement, finance, risk, IP, and how does your potential technology solution to fix your problem fit into the corporate roadmap? Then you have to consider if you have something in-house, you can just customize or refigure rather than buying something new. That's important, and that's a critical part of the consultancy we also do. And then finally on the slide before I jump over, if you want to look at technology and some of the tools you can use, set key performance indicators, not broad goals. Automating my contacting process is not a sufficient goal and will not get you the funding you need uh, to implement legal technology. But something that is effective is to say, I want to decrease the drafting time for my service level agreements by 25% and therefore save $2,000 worth of internal cost. Those measurables are critical in developing a business case and an ROI case for uh, legal technology. And finally, this is a quick tip we've learned both in doing it and in recommending our clients to third party providers. When you evaluate somebody, have them build you a proof of concept using real information. There's a lot of misinformation out there about tools and they develop great graphics or fantastic uh, models for you, all based on carefully curated and nicely uh, cleaned up data. Give them some of your own or find a really rough data set, give them information and tell them, build me a contract management system, build me a visualization, uh, build me a, a, a NDA automation tool using my information. And that really cuts out a lot of the, the misinformation out there. And since we're off, off time, I will circulate that. This is an illustration of what we've done um, for some large scale uh, analytics for, for COVID. Um, and that will be available afterwards. But just to, to pause there to say, the tools themselves don't matter as much if you don't have the ability to understand the business question and the rationale. Um, and when you evaluate some of this in the slides, consider that problem, consider the challenge of, do I know where my information is? Do I have easy access to the information? And if I do, the ability to automate drafting, to manage your contract, and ultimately to improve things like clause extraction and even e-discovery, uh, becomes a uh, potential business case to take to your board and to your management. Um, so that was a really whirlwind tour of some of the key steps in a post-COVID and a emergency time zone. And um, I think those would put you on a way to start doing some evaluation. Uh, thank you very much.
Um, thanks, Rico. That was very informative. And um, thank you in advance that you will share um, the slides with us. I think um, it's a lot to digest. Um, so we definitely uh, would, you know, uh, be happy to have the slides and then just go through them again, as um, I'm sure some of our participants try and build up a case of, um, you know, submitting a request for um, technology use in the office. Um, Naomi, uh, maybe. Um, are there any questions uh, that uh, have come through from the or, uh, participants? Hi, Mabile. Um, yes, we had some questions that came through. I think the one was, have we looked at practice anywhere and then Purian platform? It can facilitate and address some of the challenges that uh, we've mentioned during the webinar. Okay, that's fine. All right. Um, thank you. Um, and just to acknowledge that um, our final panelist, uh, Farai Nyabereka, who is a partner at Manokore Attorneys, has been able to join us. Um, if maybe the Secretariat is able to unmute her, then she can just share with us um, her thoughts on, you know, what words, especially coming on the back of uh, Rico's presentation, what advice does she have to um, general counsel or in-house lawyers who are considering implementing technology um, in their daily functions. Farai, welcome. Um, I'm so glad you could join us, even if uh, it was towards the tail end of our webinar. Over to you. Hello, hi everybody, how are you? Um, thank you for allowing the time to just share my insights and perspectives coming from private practice with regards to how to integrate technology and legal tech into, into practices. So I think to answer your question, I think it's in two parts. Firstly, the question is why, why us being private practice, why is this a consideration for us? And I think for us, the way that we view technology and how we practice at one attorneys is that we view it in a way that is really complementary to the way that we work. There's a chemistry in how we view legal services of the future, which is quite sort of the dynamic that exigent brings into our, into our practices. Um, we also have a very young team, so there's the added bonus of integrating tech into legal practice. Um, just being also being able to increase efficiency, um, efficiency within within the firm, um, the ability to be able to deploy resources and costs effectively um, with a quick turnaround for clients. That's an added incentive for us. Um, I think we experience this particularly with our relationship with GCs that they really appreciate the fact that we're able to get the high volume work out of transactions which are which are voluminous and time consuming and it really allows us to be able to sit down with GCs and to have in-depth conversations so that we focus on the material aspects of transactions and in turn free up our GCs to be able to have deliberate and concise discussions with their stakeholders just in terms of you know what 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 are all the aspects and where the function then evolves more from being a client on a, a, a firm bulwark into how to, how how they can add value and demonstrate that meaningfully. So I think um, my, my recommendation is just for all the GCs that are out there and they're considering um, how to integrate tech or, or adoption of or, in, or engagement with alternative legal service providers is that they're really not to be viewed as adversaries, but rather their eyes in what your KPIs are. And I say that in the sense that I think the, the, the first step is just to take it, um, not to do a holistic change, but then it has to be bite-sizable and then take an incremental adoption into how those functions could work for you. 
as an organization, obviously tailor-made and adaptable as to when you see the needs, but the rollout phase is comfortable and for change management as well. Those are just my questions, Mobile. Thank you. Um, thanks, thanks, Farai. Thank you so much. Um, we're really glad you were able to join us because, um, you know, it, it is through um, the Manokori attorneys um, relationship that, um, you know, we're able to access, um, you know, global partners such as Exigent, and we really appreciate uh, you for that. Um, so I think um, if maybe we can, uh, if I can ask my panelists any last uh, parting, parting shots, either from you, Rico or Lebo, before I hand uh, back to Naomi. Okay, um, that's fine. Um, so um, I think my job is done. Um, it's been a great afternoon. Um, and thank you all for your participation. So over back to you, Naomi. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Madam Chair. You were absolutely brilliant. We um, enjoyed your insights and uh, facilitating the session. Um, despite some of our technical challenges, we were able to get Farai with some of her parting words, and we really appreciate that. I just want to, uh, I would just like to thank everyone that has joined today. We appreciate you. We wish we could see you and that we could be part of you, but uh, COVID has really highlighted a number of words. Either I can't hear you, you're on mute, or the internet is not working but um, we are surviving and if any of you would like to discuss any of the solutions or any of um, the opportunities that Rico or Lebo or Nwabile has mentioned please do reach out either to myself at Exigen or to Farai at uh, Manikori Attorneys and with that I'd really like to wish you a wonderful afternoon ahead. Cheers everyone. Thank you. Cheers.